This comes from John 17. After Jesus had spoken these words, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all people to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me, I have given to them and they have received them and know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I'm not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me because they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. This is the good news, please be seated. Well friends, this is an important gospel, but oh my goodness, John would have been a terrible English student. (laughs) Teachers out there, can you even imagine someone turning this gospel writing in as a final paper? Does it make you just wanna pull your hair out a little bit? Holy cow, talk about redundant and repetitive and speaking over and over and over again. Yeah, nobody at the nine o'clock got that either. Man, (laughs) we gotta work on some vocabulary. And yet, there's some poetry to these words. There's a circular nature to them. You really get a vision of Jesus' thoughts. There's also an urgency to these words. I know when I'm eager to get an important point across, I can easily get verbose. No doubt some of my sermons have felt that way to you. But there is, there's an urgency here in these words. For the last few chapters of John, Jesus has been sharing what we now call the farewell discourse. Mere hours away from the cross, Jesus was giving any last minute instructions, hopes, and clarity, clarity, which John clearly captured, so that he could uh, instill whatever he needed, the last chance with his disciples. He wanted to set them up for success as best he could. And here he ends it all with this prayer, this almost desperate prayer on their behalf, on your behalf. That's right, friends. Jesus prayed for you and for me. Jesus knew that this world tends to silence by any means necessary those who are walking in the way of love. And so, of course, he prayed for us because we need all the help we can get. His prayer starts with glorification. Jesus had glorified the Father and asked to be glorified in return, although later he says he has been glorified in those entrusted to his care. Glorification is one of those like Christianese words that we throw around a lot. We're like, what does that actually mean? The Greek word doxa can be translated as to honor or magnify one's reputation or brightness. So Jesus says he glorified God by finishing the work that God had given him to do 
In other words, Jesus' ministry magnified God's reputation. This seems like it's gonna be necessary, so I'm gonna hand it back to you. Jesus' ministry had magnified God's reputation. Jesus radiated God's brightness. Jesus' work allowed the essence of God to shine out into the world, and his prayer here is that his own essence will now radiate out of his disciples, out of us, that we would carry his brightness, God's brightness, into the world for all to see. But before we can talk about what that looks like, we have to listen carefully again to what Jesus prayed. He said, I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. Did you catch that? Jesus said the work is finished. Finished. Modern Christianity often declares that Jesus came to earth to die, that he showed up with the goal of the cross to secure our eternal life. But friends, Jesus was still alive when he uttered these words, when he said, my work is finished. The goal of the work was eternal life, but if we only look to the cross, we miss the point. Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they may know you. Eternal life isn't about passively waiting to go somewhere after we die. For John, eternal life is knowing God. Now John uses this word know or knowing about three times more often than the other Gospels. It's a really important concept in John. And when John talks about knowing, it's not a head knowledge, it's not even a heart belief, it's not about doctrine or anything like that. For John, to know is to be in relationship. Knowing is intimate, knowing is embodied, it's an intertwining of whole selves. So true life, life that satisfies, life that lasts, is found in deep relationship with God, right here, right now. The work that Jesus was given to do was to reveal God to the world and then to draw that world into communion with God. And it starts with the incarnation. That's very tangible and intertwining. We hear in the very beginning of John that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Again, an embodiment, a wholeness. God's essence became tangible within humanity, full of grace and truth. And in John 3, Jesus tells Nicodemus that the key to living in the kingdom is to be born of the Spirit. And who knows a parent more intimately than the child in their very womb? Knowing God is maternal, life-giving connection. In John 4, Jesus tells the Samaritan woman that being connected to him is like having a spring of water well up inside of you leading to eternal life. Again, a connection that creates something new in our very being. In John 15, Jesus invites people to abide, to remain, to live in God like branches on a vine. He invites a connection so crucial for life that you can't tell where one ends and the next begins. Jesus was the ultimate matchmaker. Anyone getting Fiddler in the Roof on their head right now? Can you imagine Jesus with his little head covering, running around constantly shouting, you gotta meet this God that I know. This God is awesome, you two are perfect for each other. Come on, come see. Come meet this God, come experience this God, come be in relationship with this God. I promise you will never be the same. Because when we are that 
deeply connected to God, we can't help but be changed. When we're in relationship with God, we recognize God's essence inside of us as well, and then we begin to live into our fullest, most authentic selves, which is our best chance at life, our best chance at blessing the world. It feels so simple, this text, and yet responds to the deepest yearnings that we're carrying around. To be seen, to be known, to feel belonging, living out of God's essence, we remember who and whose we are. Because when God created us, God didn't say, that's just okay, or that'll do. God looked at us and what do we hear in scripture? God said, this is good, this is good. God delights in being in relationship with you. And being in connection with God reminds you of this, reminds you that you are fully loved exactly as you are, that you are good enough, seriously, that you are worthy of love and life and goodness, not because you've hustled to earn it, but simply because you exist in God's love, period. How different, how different would life be for you and for me if we fully and relentlessly trusted this? If we did, I suspect that the rest of Jesus' prayer would come more into fruition too. Because it's not just that we belong to God, it's that if we are all one in God, that means we belong to each other. Ultimately, Jesus prayed for full, deep, safe, beautiful community among and within all of God's family because all those things that I just said are true of you, they're also true for your neighbor and the stranger and the foreigner, and your enemy. God wants to be in relationship with you and with them, and we are tasked with the work of Jesus to keep radiating God's essence into the world so that everyone else can recognize and live into the deep connection that God is opening up in them too. This is why Jesus prayed for unity. Not just that we would be one with God, but that we would work in tandem instead of against each other, bringing out the best in each other for the sake of the world. And to be very clear, unity is not the same as uniformity. I'm gonna say that again. Unity is not the same as uniformity. Being united doesn't mean that we agree on everything and move through the world the same way, and oh my goodness, if we're waiting for that to be united, we will be waiting until Jesus returns, so let's get that out of our heads. Being united means being rooted in the same connection, in the same essence of grace, in the same essence of love. In fact, other than the idea of knowing, John's writings are so filled with the aim of love that we cannot possibly mistake his agenda. Love is the aim over and over and over in Jesus' farewell discourse for his people to love one another. It's the only commandment he left them. It's the only work he left behind. It's the foundation of our connected relationship. If we do nothing else, we must love. Love will unite us, and love will be the outpouring result of our uniting And so we must return again and again to the reminder that we have more important things in common than those things that make us unique because diversity is beautiful, division is not. 
Recalling again some earlier chapters in John, Jesus says there are sheep in other folds you don't even know about that he loves. There are other branches on the vine besides our own. There are other nations like those outsider Samaritans that he pursued relentlessly. How lucky that we get to be part of such a large and beautiful family rooted in love. That's it, friends. That's it, that's Jesus' last desperate prayer in the end. So simple and yet so profound, so earth-changing. And so as I close this morning, may I use the words of Jesus' prayer as a blessing over you. Please don't be confused, this is not the end of worship. Receive this blessing. May you daily remain in relationship with the God of love who resides deep in you. May you search for it and find it when you look in the mirror. May you tap into it by living out your most authentic self. May you be strengthened by it, especially on the days when the world is trying to silence it. And then, may you look for that divine love outside of you and move where it goes and love where it calls you to love, taking up the work of Jesus. May you notice and connect with it in those you meet, to help remind others of their own belovedness within the community with our Creator so that all might experience eternal life. Amen.